Today's swap in number is 23.7. That's the percentage of pilots who got their preferred training week in 2018, which as we've mentioned before, is our baseline year for contract 2020. You don't need a math degree to realize that that's worse than if the schedule were just randomly picked out of a hat. Lack of adherence to training preferences are just one problem we hear about from our pilots every month. And that's not all. When I'm talking to guys outside of SWAPA, they generally are surprised at how much of SWAPA's time and resources are spent handling training issues. While each of us only goes to training usually about once a year, as a whole, our group is exposed to thousands of CQT events combined. Add to that ETOPS training and EXTO requals, and training has had an oversized impact on our contract admin committee for a while now. Even Labor Relations is on record saying that the training section of our current CBA needs to be redone. It was written for training we no longer even do with the transition to AQP. This week, the NC will present our Section 10 language to the company, which will cover training and upgrade procedures. So today we're going to talk to Contract Admin Chair Seth Kornblum and Tier 1 Coordinator Lexi Taylor, who used to work in training scheduling before joining SWAPA in 2015. They will help us understand the problems we need to address and exactly how we're going to do that in Contract 2020. I'm Kurt Heidemann. And I'm Amy Robinson, and here's our interview with Seth and Lexi. In the intro, we mentioned that contract admin spends a lot of time handling training-related issues. Seth, what are some of the biggest ones that you're working on right now? Uh, right now, uh, ETOPS training, uh, both the initial uh, training in Dallas and also the route quals. Um, that's been a huge issue with this ETOPS ramp up. Uh, it's created a lot of member inquiries and uh, kept us quite busy discussing issues related to that ETOPS training. Month to month, we still deal with uh, one-offs with CQT scheduling and uh, RT polls that go right along with that ETOPS training seem to keep coming up in our point of discussion. And also uh, just EXTO return issues, the scheduling of training, you know, related to that EXTO return, um, how fast pilots can get signed off for their train uh, from their training uh, after they're actually finished in the simulator. Really, EXTO seems to be the gift that keeps on giving. There have been issue after issue of unintended consequences that we've kind of had to work through um, across the building between the negotiating committee, the executives, and ourselves and contract admin. Seth, you mentioned uh, getting signed off after training. Is there a big delay for that typically, or is it just one-offs? Uh, no, typically uh, it's not a big delay. There have just been uh, a couple one-offs that have occurred, which then opened our eyes to a process that may not work as well as we want to, but I'm, I'm happy to report uh, working with the company uh, and our new point of contact over there, we've been able to actually streamline that process a little bit and uh, hopefully we won't see any occurrences of that happen again. The company realizes the benefit of getting people signed off quickly and, and you know, it's not only good for the pilot to be able to put open time money in his pocket, but right now it's huge uh, as far as getting that pilot uh, back on the line so he can operate that schedule and uh, keep flights running and uh, hopefully prevent JAs by having another body out there in the system. Since the contract doesn't necessarily spell out all of those situations, what is SWAPA's position on how um, training should be paid? Well, you know, in SWAPA's view, it's just like any other reassignment or cancellation. So when a, an event is removed from your board, it should not just disappear. It should be, uh, it should be paid. You've already made yourself unavailable to family commitments and you've already uh, given up the potential to fly open time those days. So again, we, we think it's just like any other reassignment or cancellation. 
and that's not how it's being handled now? Are there, uh, what are the rules, I guess, uh, for people that are scheduled for training and it gets pulled for whatever reason? So right now the company treats it like there are no rules. Um, as an example, we had a pilot driving to work to catch his deadhead flight to CQT and uh, the company called him to tell him that they were going to move his CQT several days into the future because they had no instructors available um, for the event that he was actually going to catch his deadhead flight for. You know, this pilot had already, as I said, you know, built his personal calendar for the month around this training, uh, but lead ops just removed the training from his board without pay and moved it. Uh, like it never even existed. So while this particular pilot ended up getting uh, partially paid, it's just indicative of some of the issues we see around training pay in the current contract. Uh, actually, another example of this is pilots uh, on, a, on a company scheduled deadhead, uh, several of them. Uh, they're on board their TRDH, where they're supposed to be, where the company assigned them to be. The flight uh, taxied out, uh, had an issue, returned to the gate, ended up canceling. Um, and those pilots on board the training now ended up not making it to training that day, but through no fault of their own. Again, they were, they were where they were supposed to be as assigned by the company. And yet, because they couldn't make it to training now, lead ops pulled the pay. And it seems to us illogical that they should lose pay in a situation like that. And the contract really needs to speak to that going forward. Who, who makes those decisions? Well, the previous leaders of training scheduling or lead ops scheduling had kind of put uh, training into another set of rules. I know it has its own section in the CBA. However, even some things like fatigue don't even apply to training. Um, they only feel that training or you can call in fatigued for a flying event. Now, Lexi, you came from training scheduling, I believe, before you worked at SWAPA, correct? Correct. And so can you talk a little bit about, I guess, the evolution of that? Is that something that was going on back when you worked there or has it been a recent change? I mean, have we always had problems with training scheduling that you're aware of? As far as I know, there's always, training scheduling has always kind of been its own separate thing and rules, different kind of rules that would apply on the line don't apply to training scheduling. And and Seth, is that backed up in the contract at all? I I would say the previous uh, leaders of training scheduling made that distinction that Lexi's referring to, and I don't really feel that it's justified. But yeah, they certainly did treat it like training was its own separate universe and that it was totally different from any other part of our CBA, and that's that's just not true. In our CBA, it is its own section? It is it, it is its own section, um, and some of these things are not well-defined. And uh, there's some of these things that are not addressed in the CBA are things that, gosh, well, you really shouldn't have to legislate, really. Like the example I just gave about a pilot getting his training event removed from his board through no fault of his own at the last minute, uh, a scenario like that, why would anybody ever think that it's okay to just pull it off their board with without pay? So no, some of those situations are not specifically spelled out for training. And so you mentioned that uh, previous leaders of training have, have sort of led this this evolution, what's going on now? And is it any better than it was or is it still kind of troublesome? Oh, it's good in ways and bad in ways. Um, good because now the our relationship, we're working together. There's a lot more collaboration. Um, in some instances, however, we are trying to explain the history and the prior um, agreements in the, and you're explaining it to somebody that wasn't there during those times. They have no idea what the history is. They have no idea how it came to be and how we got that agreement and why. So are these gr- agreements like written anywhere or are they just basically like 
things that have just evolved into that the way they are. The agreements are written, but again, like anything else in our CBA, intent always factors in. And so, again, it's not the fault of the people that are that are currently there. They just simply were not there to understand the intent behind some of those things. And so that's been, uh, that was a little bit of a challenge as we were trying to uh, work out a settlement in the aftermath of a recent SBOA we had on some training pay issues. So uh, th- that became a challenge. It is good that there are there is a new point of contact that we have over uh, at the company that's been handling the training issues, and uh, that has uh, been a very welcome, welcome change. Um, she has been a breath of fresh air compared to what we dealt with in the past. Just as one example, we uh, had an issue a few months back with uh, the scheduling of CQT, and uh, it turns out the company had made a mistake with how they scheduled, I think it might've been two dozen pilots or something like that. But uh, as soon as the mistake uh, became apparent to her, she called us uh, since she came to us promptly and we did not have to uncover it later after the fact, we were able to collaborate, um, get our staff on the phone um, between our two teams. We called all the affected pilots and made sure the non-compliance situation was fixed and that the CBA in fact was honored. Seth, what you're describing to me is a little bit of what uh, is how Scott Plyler described his interactions with uh, with crew planning in that there's more collaboration, I think, than our pilots realize. And uh, a lot of it is being handled behind the scenes. Is that is that fair? Uh, yeah, that's fair. And uh, when you when you say behind the scenes, uh, it, it almost sounds like something's nefarious. And that's well, I mean, I mean, not in a formal we're not filing a grievance and they're not filing an arbitration and we're not, you know, back and forth and letters and we're, we're handling it uh, with phone calls and and daily interactions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that, that is a more collaborative relationship is definitely something, you know, we've always wanted on our end. We're we're making headway there. Our, again, our new point of contact. Uh, has been very helpful with that. So you had said a little earlier, Lexi, that training was treated as something completely unrelated to the operation. Um, Do you mean just cancellations and reassignment pay? No, there's other things too. Like I said before, fatigue. Um, There's some things that are in the contract, um, like your duty day, travel time to go home is unlimited from training. Uh, That's in the CBA, unfortunately. So there's going to be some things in contract 2020 that we'll want to fix that's both written in the CBA and unwritten in the CBA that they're following now that separates training from flying. So when you say unlimited, what what do you mean by that? You can deadhead to the end of time and it's not a violation of your duty day to go home from training. So they could deadhead you from? For 15 hours if you wanted to. If you wanted to or if they wanted to. Do you have an option or do you have a choice? You have an option to get released and get pulled off. If that's the, if that's the schedule they build for you, that's... That's it. Okay. Do our pilots um, typically do that? Do they typically? That's not a typical schedule. Um, that would be if somebody runs late, there's a flight cancellation, that kind of thing. You would call training and say, hey, I got delayed. But there is no duty day violation if you have a 14-hour duty day on the last day after finishing your LOE plus a 14-hour travel day. That's not a violation of the CBA. Uh, Lexi, you mentioned fatigue. Can you call fatigued for training right now under our CBA? No, the current policy for fatigue is if you call training and say I'm fatigued for my sim tomorrow, they'd say you can't really call in fatigue for training. You can use your sick time. So are there any other training operation issues that SWAP is dealing with currently? Food availability? I know that's a big problem on the line. Is there any of that with regard to training? Uh, yeah, good question, Amy. 
So right now, uh, because of the switch to hotels that are not selected through the normal cab process, the, new, the normal crew accommodation board process for training, we're in hotels right now that were obtained through another company process through supply chain. And uh, those hotels have not been delivering the food and beverage service during the hours our pilots need. And uh, during this pandemic and pandemic recovery time, they have not been staffed adequately. So we continue to get anecdotal reports from pilots about uh, food availability becoming a problem at those hotels. And uh, then during the training day, they've definitely gotten better about providing food over at the training center, but the day is still scheduled pretty densely. And so there's not a lot of time for pilots to eat is what we're hearing. You know, another issue that we've experienced um, when the company switched from our normal training hotels to the uh, non-cab selected hotels for training has been transportation. And that's been really uh, a disappointment uh, where pilots are waiting at at times, they could be waiting up to an hour uh, for pickup from Love Field to the hotel uh, and also uh, infrequent service from the training center back to the hotel and vice versa. So the company has, uh, we've, we've debated this with them quite a bit, and now the company is being better about reimbursing pilots who seek out their own transportation. But initially they were refusing, and uh, that really led to a pretty poor experience uh, throughout the whole training process for some of our pilots having to deal with, you know, lack of food at the hotel, and then they can't even get to and from the hotel promptly. So it was really frustrating, uh, especially earlier in this year, but uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about it with the company and uh, things have improved as far as the company is now reimbursing pilots uh, without difficulty when they experience delays and have to seek out their own transportation. Uh, we've also uh, got an issue with the telephone contactability for reassignments by training. Training scheduling has made the, seems to be making the claim that the pilot must answer their phone on their days off. And that's just, that's just not true. It sounds like online reserve. It does sound like on reserve. And we've seen a lot of this with uh, some of the ETOPS route calls. Uh, they're being scheduled in very, very short notice. Uh, sometimes as soon as the next day or, or only two days out and uh, pilots are being contacted on days off and expected to answer and expected to, to get in right away for these. And the contract does not have any requirement for the pilot to be phone available on those days off. Yeah, and I want to, you know, give a shout out to the contract admin committee and contract admin. I mean, they've spent a lot of time on issues that are not in the contract, like these shuttle van times, hotel issues, and they're getting stuff done with collaboration with the company. I mean, yes, we work on our CBA. We make sure that that is followed every time. But this is an example of what Seth does every single day, spends tons of time on stuff for the betterment of our pilot group. Thank you, Lexi. So are there any other issues that have taken a lot of time and energy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, RT polls have been uh, an issue. An RT poll is when you're pulling for a pilot receiving training? That's correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, for when a pilot's uh, pairing is needed uh, so that another pilot can complete either IOE, UOE, or a route qualification. And uh, so those RT polls, as they're known, are completely undefined in the CBA, which is strange just kind of governed by past practice and everything was pretty simple until uh, at some point uh, someone on the company side thought that there was an FAR 117 concern and rewrote the guidance for the obligations of the pilot whose trip was pulled. At that point, the guidance became uh, very confusing. Um, We get questions from pilots all the time when they get RT polls now, when they're obligated to answer their phone, are they obligated to fly the trip, are they not? 
And we've been trying to work with the company for over a year on a joint document to lay out those expectations for our pilots and uh, really haven't gotten very far with that. Uh, we tried again. We tried a new push earlier this year when we saw that there were going to be all the uh, ETOPS route quals that needed to be flown with the ETOPS ramp up and uh, with the returning EXCO pilots who have been gone longer than six months, we knew they were going to need OE. So we know that there are going to be a lot of these RT poles. We tried to, to push that again this year. We just didn't get very far with that. Um, the ETOPS route quals, I think I mentioned earlier, those have been a big uh, area of concern, um, how they're scheduled. And uh, again, there's nothing non-contractual about the way the company's been handling them, but they've just created a lot of questions, a lot of inquiries from our pilots. And I will say our new point of contact over at the company has been really good about making sure that a grievance settlement pertaining to these ETOPS route quals is being followed to the letter because we've had some issues and questions. And as we said earlier, some of those people uh, over at the training center were not over there during the time when the grievance was first settled. And uh, so our new point of contact, uh, we do appreciate the fact that they are trying to make sure that the uh, settlement is followed to the letter. But it's taken up a lot of time, uh, these ETOPS inquiries from our members. All right, guys, we've talked a lot about some of the problems that we're dealing with under our current contract. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit more about how we plan to address those problems in contract 2020. Lexi, what are some of the top things that we're going to try and get in 2020? Well, um, actually, the training section in Contract 2020 is the largest section of all 25 sections that we have um, are going to present. So we're really trying to put pen to paper on these kind of unwritten rules like the RT pulls, uh, et cetera, into the contract. We want to make sure that it's, you know, achievable and predictable and repeatable processes for training and that the pilots are known, have known expectations of what's going to happen. Um, we are going to have a Full training bid is what we're hoping for for contract 2020, except for the big ones like your new higher upgrade training. Um, we'll have simplified pay and definitions that are consistent each year. Um, so there's no distinction between is this recurrent training or non-recurrent training. It's all going to pay very similar requirements for a trip pull are going to be very similar regardless of what you're doing. So there's no difference. Um, so pilots know what to expect and the um, schedulers know how to compute that on your board. And then we want to make sure that commuters are protected for training, too. Um, right now, training scheduling is only required to get you back to your base. But commuters don't know that there could be a possibility of getting a hotel, or we want to give them a possibility of getting a hotel if they can't get back to their commuter city, only back to their base based on their time of sim or however long it took. So, you know, I'd like to add in reference to the training bid. When we talk about the swap and number of 23.7%, you know, only that number of folks get their percentages, I'm sorry, get their preferences honored. Uh, we all realize there's only a limited number of desirable slots. There's only so many weekday B period sims. We, we get that. But pilots understand a seniority based system. Uh, what they don't understand is the current system where it feels arbitrary. You know, a senior pilot does not get the preferences he wanted, a junior pilot does. And that's, that's very frustrating for our pilots. So even though a seniority-based training bid won't always provide you with what you want, even when you don't get what you wanted, it's much easier to comprehend why you didn't get it. So, okay, I just didn't have the seniority to hold a Monday B period. That makes sense to our pilots. And that's one thing the language needs to address because right now it's, it's really a big source of frustration 
uh, to our pilots that they, they really don't understand why they got uh, what they got or better yet, why they didn't get what they wanted and someone else did. Lexi just talked a lot about the contract 2020 and, and the uh, what we hope to achieve with that. What would you say overall your thoughts are around training, Seth? Well, training scheduling and training issues have been in, in polling of our pilots always comes to the top. It is amazingly our one of our pilots' number one gripes, which is really says a lot when you look at the fact that most of our pilots only deal with the training center once a year. And so for that issue to keep rising to the top of pilot complaints really says a lot. And, uh, you know, up until recently, we've spent a really a very large amount of our time in contract admin just on training issues. So it's definitely a pain point. And even though things are progressing in a, in a little better direction right now because we've got a better point of contact right now, we still need to look at history um, and protect ourselves going forward so that, you know, we learn from the past. So just like with every other section uh, of these contract 2020 proposals, uh, those proposals are informed by what has happened through history. So our contract admin staff and committee and other departments around the building have cataloged all the different pain points that our pilots have encountered. And these proposals are all written with those in mind uh, to guard against those same uh, pain points from reoccurring, regardless of which individuals are in positions at the company. Whoever's running the training center in the future or whoever our point of contact is in the future, the proposals are designed to be future-proof um, so that uh, we won't have to see the same pain points repeat themselves. Our thanks to Seth and Lexi for being on the show. Their insight into training issues and how they impact our pilots is invaluable and has certainly helped craft the language that SWAPA has in Contract 2020. And as always, we want to hear your feedback. If you have any podcast ideas we haven't covered yet or any SMEs you want to hear from, please drop us a line at com at swapa.org. We really do want to hear from you. Finally, today's bonus number is 1,031. That's the number of pilots whose CQT will be moved to August and September involuntarily to accommodate EXTO and ETOPS training this summer. It's just one example of the lack of control our pilots have when it comes to their annual training schedule and something we plan to address in Contract 2020. Thank you, Southwest 1223, clear to land.